Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. July 31st, 2004. I packed my bags immediately after I found out what had happened. My wife, Brienne, wanted to come with me, but there was no way I could bring her with me. This was a personal matter involving only me and my mother. My adopted brother, Elliot, had just finished celebrating his sixth birthday last week when my mother found his body, face down, lying in the field behind our home. It was a complete shock to not just my family, but our entire hometown community. Nobody knew what had happened. He was a perfectly healthy little boy who just seemingly dropped dead while playing in his backyard. No signs of a struggle, no signs of anyone else being with him, absolutely nothing. My mother has been undoubtedly a mess in recent days since the discovery, and from what I've heard, she hasn't left the house nor let anyone inside. Her only interactions are with the police, who I'm sure see her as a suspect. However, I know my mother. There was no possible way she could have done anything to that boy. She loved him like he was her own, and when I was a child, she loved me just the same. What really worries me is the fact that she lives by herself. I cannot let her grieve on her own like this, and that is why I'm packing up and temporarily moving to my hometown of Rose Creek to be with my mother. She needs my support now more than ever, and regardless of if she wants to see me or not, I'm going to help her get through this. I threw my suitcase in the passenger seat of the car as my family stood in the driveway to send me off. I gave my two daughters goodbye hugs, telling them I was just going to visit grandma for a little while, and not to worry as I would be back home real soon. I then turned to Brienne and gave her a quick kiss. Quick enough not to gross the kids out. She wrapped her arms around my waist and seemed to not want to let go. I smiled and said, Don't worry. We could chat every night and I'll be home before you know it. I think you'd be lucky to get enough signal to even send a text way out in that shithole, she said in an accusatory tone, and I jokingly rolled my eyes in response. Well, it may not be 3G, but I'm sure they have at least a few cell towers around. I then gave her one last kiss on the forehead, pulled away from her iron-tight grip, and got inside my car. I took in a deep breath and pulled out of the driveway as my family all waved goodbye, not knowing when they would see me next. The drive into Rose Creek was around four hours, but it felt so much longer. Driving alone usually leaves me to the mercy of my own thoughts, and all that was on my mind was my brother and mother and the radio barely helped to fill in the loneliness. I couldn't help myself as my mind raced through different theories regarding what happened to Elliot. Something clearly happened to him out in that field, but what? 
The autopsy reported absolutely nothing. The doctors said it was like nothing they had ever seen before. No signs of violence, foul play, nothing. Even if there was some sort of foul play involved, who would want to harm an innocent six-year-old boy? The doctors had to rule his death a heart attack, and there was absolutely nothing else to go off of. I can't even imagine the stress my mother is going through right now. Your perfectly healthy child suddenly dropping dead with no explanation. With all fingers pointing at you, as you were the one who had the unfortunate fate of finding him. I'm never going to be able to rest until I find out what happened to Elliot. But first, I need to focus on supporting my mother. The second I passed the municipal line, I felt an overwhelming sensation of dread. I looked to my side mirror to see bright, sunny skies behind me, and then turned back to my front windshield to be greeted with a dark and gloomy overcast. Now that I think about it, I don't think I have any memories of the sun shining in Rose Creek. For a long while after passing the Rose Creek Municipal sign, I saw nothing but fields as I drove through the empty countryside. My radio began to stutter, and the audio cracked up until I just turned it off in frustration. I took a quick glance over at my phone, see that it only had one bar. I laughed to myself. Brienne was right. Rose Creek really was a shithole. I turned my signal on and pulled into the driveway of my mother's old country home after about 40 more minutes of driving through nothingness. After parking in the driveway, I just sat idling in my car for a few minutes, not entirely sure how I was going to approach this situation. I had come completely unannounced, and I wasn't sure what kind of state my mother was in or how she'd even react. I was afraid to knock on the door. But after calming myself down and telling myself to not be such a wuss, I stepped out of the car and walked up the dirt driveway to my mother's porch. I stepped onto the creaky boards and took in a deep breath before knocking on the stained glass door. As I expected, she didn't answer. I stood there for what seemed to be entire minutes without any response, knocking several times in between. Yet no matter how much I knocked, there was no response. I turned around and decided to scan the perimeter of the house. But right as my back turned, I heard the creaking of that old front door slowly open. Ross? I heard in a frail voice call out. I turned around to be greeted by my mother. But I almost jumped back in horror at the sight of her. This wasn't the mother that I remembered. She barely looked familiar. Bloodshot eyes that seemed to be permanently stuck wide open and alert. A wrinkled face and ghostly complexion. Graying hair that she never used to have. And a much thinner and weaker looking body than when I last saw her. M mother I asked, almost frozen in fear. She seemed to smile, just a bit but it looked like that it was too difficult for her to do. I took a few steps forward and slowly moved in for a hug, and luckily, she reciprocated. She felt so unbelievably light in my arms. 
I didn't want to hug her as tight as I used to out of fear that I would hurt her. I felt tears building up in my eyes. Sight of her scared me at first, but now, well, it just devastated me. She's been like this all alone ever since Elliot died. She has nobody else. Hell, I should have come sooner. While I was hugging her, I noticed something not far behind her. Something that seemed to be sitting on the staircase just near the doorway. But it was too dark to make any details of. I blinked a few times until it went away. I chalked it up to the tears disorienting my vision. We sat on opposite couches in the living room. She brought me a coffee and stared at me intently, clasped hands, eagerly waiting to see how I'd been doing lately. There was a giant elephant in the room, and it seemed like I was the only one wanting to address it. Well, how has your family been? She asked. Um, they've been great. I shifted in my seat. Jessica is in the fourth grade in the fall, and Erica is... Well, I trailed off. Erica is what? Well, she's having her birthday next week. Oh, that's wonderful. My mother's face lit up for the briefest of moments. I'll be sure to send her a card and a gift. Oh, really, you don't have to. Don't be stupid. She snapped in a surprisingly stern tone. Oh, of course, I said, brushing the topic away. How have, um, well, how have you been lately? I've been doing great. Thank you for asking. She replied in an unusually happy tone, completely taking a 180 from the tone of her previous comment. Really? Oh, of course. Why shouldn't I be? Well, I, I mean... I shifted around in my seat once again. With Elliot and everything, I wanted to come by to see if you were okay. After that comment, she just stared at me for a really uncomfortably long time, a blank expression coating her face until she finally gave off another weak smile. He's doing fantastic, she said, her face loosening up. I know that little accident scared everybody, but he's back to his usual self. Oh, well, that's, well, that's great, I said, now a lot more worried for my mother. The rest of the conversation that day with my mother amounted to nothing. I was too nervous to push for more information on Elliot, as she seemed to be in the denial stage, albeit a very heavy stage of denial. I didn't want to upset her, so I continued to dance around the subject and make small talk with her. We talked about the typical small talk subjects, such as the weather and news, but I couldn't help but notice how detached she seemed from every conversation we had. Like her head was in another place, and I couldn't seem to shake the feeling that she was never actually looking at me, but at something behind me. When it began to get darker outside, she showed me to my old room, which had been completely untouched since I left it. My mother wished me a good night and went to her room, leaving me to bask in the nostalgia of my childhood for a night. For most of the night, I just laid in my bed and looked at the ceiling, hands folded together and rested on my stomach with my legs crossed. 
I hadn't even noticed that I'd forgotten to take off my shoes. I was unable to get comfortable no matter how hard I tried, and I had this constant nagging feeling inside of me that denied me of any sort of rest. After tossing and turning for hours, I finally gave in and admitted that I wasn't going to get any sleep that night. So instead, I slowly walked over to my bedroom door and cracked it open just enough to peek out of. Directly across the hall from me was Elliot's old room, his door only a few strides away. I wanted so badly to walk in there and grieve with my mother, to hold her tightly and tell her everything would be okay. But we were clearly at different stages of grieving and I wasn't about to upset her by overstepping my boundaries. I wiped the few tears that began to fall from my face away, and almost shut my door again until I noticed the faintest of lights emerging from the bottom crack of the door, and shadows that moved back and forth under the door. The movement was so subtle, so intricate, that I almost didn't notice it at first. But the more I stared at it, the more I was sure of myself that something was on the other side of that door. I slowly opened my door enough to slip out of my room and into the hallway, still remembering which floorboards creaked as I carefully stepped around as silently as possible until I reached the door. I took a few silent breaths in and out as I stood by Elliot's room. I questioned if it were a good idea to go any further. But I knew I wasn't going to be able to rest until I found out what was behind the door. I placed my hand on the doorknob, turning it ever so slightly to hear the faint click of the door releasing. I placed my other hand flat on the door and pushed it open as slowly as possible, just enough to peek through. The first thing I saw in the room was a lamp it was turned on and was placed on the floor in the middle of the room. My eyes then caught the attention of my mother, who was standing in front of an open closet. Back turned to me. She was talking to someone with soft whispers, so soft there was no way I could hope to hear what she was saying. As I continued to stare and my eyes focused on the abyss of the open closet, I noticed something inside of it. I briefly questioned the credibility of my own eyes, but as my staring continued and my eyes sharpened, I was confident in what I saw. The features of the figure were practically impossible to make out, as it almost seemed to be darker than the inside of the closet, but I knew it was very tall, as it seemed to hunch over in that closet, still greatly towering over my mother. I pushed my luck and stared far too long. A hiss shot out of the closet which instantly shut my mother up of any of the whispering she'd been doing. She then shot her head back and looked me directly in the eyes. I'd never seen my mother move so quickly. But as her face seemed to glow red with anger, she sprinted towards the door. I slammed it shut and ran across the hallway, ignoring all the creaky boards and running into my room, slamming my door shut behind me and locking it, collapsing on the other side and resting my back up against the door. 
and a few moments later, I heard Elliot's door creak open and the footsteps of my mother approach my bedroom door. From what it sounded like, she seemed to pace back and forth, muttering to herself and occasionally knocking at my door. Sometimes I could hear her sniffling and crying in between mutters. All I could do was sit there, frozen in terror and shock. Eventually, I heard the footsteps trail off as she seemed to have left my door. Now, I felt awful. I've never been afraid of my own mother in my entire life, and I wanted nothing more than to be there for her. But I started to get the feeling that something was gravely wrong. Something more than the grief of losing a child. My mother had either forgotten about the situation from last night entirely, or was just choosing to ignore it as I was greeted with a warm and somewhat familiar smile as I walked into the kitchen in the early hours of the morning. The nostalgic smell of bacon and eggs and a lot of grease wafted through the air. She had already prepared a plate and a cup of coffee for both of us, but as I sat down, I couldn't help but notice a third plate with a glass of orange juice sitting beside me. Elliot loved orange juice, and I remember the tantrums he threw if he didn't get it for breakfast. I did my best to ignore the extra plate of food that was obviously meant for Elliot, and told myself that I was here to help mom grieve, not to tell her how to, but what I saw last night still bothered me greatly, and I couldn't get it off my mind. Nonetheless, I still continued to have casual small talk with my mother for the remainder of the day, not once mentioning the incident last night out of fear of upsetting her. I tried calling Brianne and the kids later that day as well, but just as I expected, the call wouldn't go through. I wasn't sure how much longer I was going to stay there. Part of me wanted to leave this entire mess behind and go back to my family. There was no way I'd ever forgive myself if I left my mother. So, well, I continued to stay for a few more nights, just to see how things turned out. The day came and went again, and as soon as the sun set over the horizon, I excused myself to bed. I made sure the bedroom door was locked, and I tried to push any other thoughts out of my mind as I tucked myself under the old dusty sheets. I was absolutely exhausted from getting minimal sleep last night, and I did not want to experience the same thing again, and so I forced my eyes closed, and luckily, I actually fell asleep for a while, but not for long. I was abruptly awoken by the sound of my mother's voice. My eyes jolted open, and I looked to my left to see my mother standing right next to me, by my bedside. She was talking a bunch of nonsense from what I remember. Her raspy whispers cut through the air like nails on a chalkboard, and she sounded highly distressed. And I just laid there and stared at her in disbelief as my eyes tried adjusting to the darkness. I continued to let her talk her gibberish as I tried to piece out 
what the hell was going on. I was sure I locked the door before going to sleep, but as I looked over at the bedroom door, I saw it swung wide open. My mother's whispers got louder as she continued, and I looked back at her to see that she had leaned in much closer than before. I noticed her eyes were wide open with a deranged look that was completely alien to what I was used to from her. Then, she finally spoke a few words that made some sense. Elliot says he doesn't want you here anymore. Elliot doesn't like you anymore. Then she just stopped talking. She leaned backwards and took a few steps away from my bed. There was so much I wanted to say in that moment, but I was in so much shock that I was only able to stumble a few words out. Mom? What the hell are you doing? Her eyes narrowed back to a normal size, and she held the wall for support, suddenly seeming to come to her senses. She mumbled out a few more words as if she had just woke up and was trying to sort out the confusion. She then left my room without another word, leaving the door wide open as she disappeared into the darkness of the hallway. It was safe to say that I didn't get much more sleep that night either. I had woken up earlier than my mother the next day, decided to try calling Brienne again while my coffee was brewing. But luckily, the call actually went through, but only for a few minutes before the connection dropped. Yeah, Brienne answered, clearly still half asleep. Hey, it's me. Oh, she seemed surprised. How's it going down there? Ah, uh, well, something's not right, Brienne, I said. I knew Mom wouldn't be acting normal after just losing Elliot, but she's not right. I feel like there's something else going on. What do you mean, something else, Ross? I I'm not sure, I started. She's just not right. It was difficult to explain exactly what was wrong without sounding completely ridiculous. My mother was talking to a dark figure in the closet that could easily be chalked up to a grieving mother, talking to herself to cope, and an overly imaginative son who saw a figure in the closet. What about her appearing in my room late at night and mumbling nonsense? Easily could be explained by sleepwalking, and perhaps I really did forget to lock the door. I could feel something was terribly wrong, but I had no way of explaining it. Oh, of course she's not acting normal. She just lost her child, Brienne said. You knew this was going to be a challenge before going. Yeah, I, I know, I know. I sighed, suddenly hearing the creaking of floorboards that led from my mother's room and knew I couldn't continue this phone call much longer. Hey, listen. I began in a whisper. I'm going to try staying for just one more night, but I'm not sure if being here much longer is a good idea. I think she's going to need a lot more help than what I can provide. Ross? Brienne cut me off. I didn't hear a word. Her voice cut out and was replaced with the rhythmic beeping of a dead phone line. 
I sighed with defeat and shoved my phone into my pocket before turning around and nearly jumping out of my skin from the sight of my mother standing so uncomfortably close to me. Who were you talking with? She asked with a smile on her face. Oh, I said backing away a few steps to a normal distance. Brienne, I was just checking in on her and the kids. She stared for an unusual amount of time before nodding and carrying on into the kitchen, almost instinctively whipping up breakfast for her, I, and Elliot. Once again, I spent the entire day with her and she seemed as normal as she could be. Yet I couldn't help but feel uncomfortable around her. Sometimes, when I would look away, I would notice her in my peripheral, just staring at me until I would then turn my attention back to her. Throughout the day, I continued to avoid the subject of Elliot, terrified of upsetting her by trying to mention in any way that Elliot was not alive. I felt completely useless. I wasn't doing any good here. I was wasting both of our times. She needed professional help to get through this. I had hoped I could have just come for a visit, comfort her, and move on. But the situation was obviously a lot more complicated than what I expected. I was going to stick to what I told Brienne. I was going to stay for one more night. No less, no more. Once I returned home, I could collect myself and find her some real help. So once again, as the sun set for the third evening, I said goodnight to my mother as we both parted to our own rooms. I had told her about my plan to leave the following morning, and she seemed just fine with it. I was relieved, and I actually almost got a full night's rest until I heard the sound of thumping coming from beneath me. The basement. I grabbed my phone and groggily checked the time as the home screen lit up to practically blind me. It was four in the morning. I sighed. I'd almost made it through one night without some sort of commotion. What could it possibly be now? The thumping continued, and every once in a while, I would hear the sound of footsteps stomping or running up and down the basement stairs, usually followed by the sound of objects falling over and hitting the ground. I knew I was going to have to investigate. I couldn't just lay there and let whatever was going on continue. As nervous as I was, I told myself once again to stop being such a wuss and forced myself out of bed. I tiptoed out of my bedroom and again, ensuring that I did not step on any creaky floorboards and made my way to the basement stairs. By the time I had made it there, the reoccurring sounds had stopped, almost like whoever was making them knew and I was coming. The basement below me was pitch black, and no wonder I was constantly hearing bumping as there was no way anybody would have been able to see anything down there. I pulled my phone out and used the light from the screen to dimly light my way, as I did not want to announce my presence so obviously by flipping the light switch or using a flashlight. As I continued my shuffle down the stairs, I swore I could hear the faint sounds of whispering, similar to what I had heard the first night. 
when I made it to the bottom and turned the corner. I saw something that I would never forget. Something that confirmed my suspicions that something much more sinister was going on here. With her back turned to me, my mother sat on the ground of the cold basement floor with a single lamp in front of her. The lamp faintly lit up the area around her. It wasn't much, but it was enough for me to finally make out what I had seen in the closet on my first night staying here. Standing in front of her, towering over her frail body like a predator would its prey, was a slim and hunched over man. But that was no man. It was all black, darker than the shadows itself. Its arms were lanky and too large for its body, with its hands hanging well below its kneecaps. Its skin was smooth and oily, and as I stared up its body with wide and terrified eyes to find its face, I realized it didn't have one. Where facial features should have been, there was just more abyss. All I could do was stand in disbelief as I watched my mother whisper to the hunched creature as it simply stood and listened to her. I wasn't sure how long I was standing there until the creature jerked its head in my direction before making a sharp, ear-piercing hissing sound and backing away into the darkness. My mother once again turned around quicker than I thought she was able to move, her eyes wide and bloodshot, full of anger. She screamed in a terrible voice that I had not heard from her before. No, you idiot! You horrible, horrible son! You scared him away! You scared Elliot away again! She cried and cried. I was too terrified to go near her, too scared to do anything but turn the way I came from and run up the stairs. Her blood-curdling screams continued as I made it to the next level, and I left her down in that pitch-black basement alone as she screamed and called me terrible names that I don't want to repeat. I knew that the time to leave was now. It was clear to me then that something a lot more sinister than a mother grieving over her child was going on in this home, and I needed to get my bearings before getting her proper help. Without bringing any of my other belongings with me, I grabbed my car keys and jumped into my car, instantly locking the doors before throwing the car into reverse and stomping on the gas pedal. And I swear I could still hear her screams coming from the house as I made it to the end of the driveway. If she had neighbors, the police would have been there in seconds. Looking back on it, I felt awful about leaving her in that home alone. I mean, I should have tried comforting her, but I was too scared. It all happened so fast. I didn't have time to think about anything else other than getting out of there. I didn't leave my mother behind in Rose Creek that morning. There was absolutely no way I would be able to leave my own mother behind to face whatever that was by herself. My plan instead was to book a motel just a few kilometers from her house and stay there until I could figure out what to do next. So that's exactly what I did. I arrived at the motel around 5 o'clock in the morning and woke up the receptionist who seemed annoyed 
that I had arrived so early to book a room. I slipped them a $20 bill and they tossed me a key to a dirty room that smelled like cigarette smoke had seeped into the walls and the ceiling. It's gross. I splashed cold water on my face from the sink and rubbed my eyes before pacing around my room deep in thought. I must have paced back and forth for hours. After overthinking the situation so much, I had begun to question the legitimacy of my own perspective. Did I really see some monster down in the basement with my mother? All of the odd happenings that I experienced while at my mother's place all seemed to point to some sort of haunting. But just saying it aloud to myself, uh, it sounded ridiculous. The most likely scenario was that my mother was grieving a lost child, and she was pretending he was still there to cope. Whenever I would show up and she would notice me, she would think I scared him off. Yet when she slept walk, why did she say, Elliot says he doesn't want you here anymore. Elliot doesn't like you anymore. If my mother really were making Elliot up in her head to cope with his death, why would she make up such a terrible lie in her head, insisting that Elliot disliked me? Uh, Elliot and I were close. We were the best friends whenever I visited home. He was always so excited to see me. I forced myself to stop dwelling on that as tears began to well up in my eyes. I called Brienne again once it reached a reasonable hour. The reception was much better here than it was at my mother's house. I told her everything that had happened, but I left out the parts about the hunched creature. There was no way I was about to tell my wife that I saw a monster at my mother's house, especially because I was even beginning to question it myself at that point. She insisted I do a welfare check, and I kicked myself for not even considering that. I told her once I made sure she was safe, I would return home later that day. I called the non-emergency hotline and gave them my mother's address, requesting a welfare check. The police were surprisingly quick, and I got a phone call just an hour later. But it wasn't the news I wanted to hear. A man on the phone who couldn't seem more uninterested in the entire situation told me that my mother seemed perfectly fine, that she greeted them with a smile, and even offered they come in for some coffee. From my understanding, she seemed to be in a much better mood than usual, and that was what unsettled me so much. Ever since Elliot died, she had been a sheltered mess, not allowing anyone near her, and even seeming noticeably distant when I visited. Why would she be so welcoming now? especially after her breakdown earlier that morning. The welfare check only gave me more uncertainties, and I spent a large part of that day deciding whether or not I should go back to visit one more time, or to just forget the whole thing and leave my mother alone. Now luckily for me, something happened that made that decision for me. You see, after I had gotten out of the shower that late afternoon... I'd noticed that my phone had a voicemail notification on it, and one missed call from my mother. She had called ten minutes ago, and I just missed her. 
I practically left out my phone to listen to the voicemail, towels still wrapped around my waist. The beginning of the message made me feel somewhat happy. My mother addressed me in a very upbeat tone. She seemed like an entirely different person from what I saw in the past few days, and hearing her happy made me smile. But as the message continued, my smile slowly faded. Hi, Ross. I wanted to apologize about my behavior earlier. It was so rude of me to raise my voice at you like that, and well, I feel awful about it. I know you were just trying to support me after such a traumatic experience, but I don't want you to worry any longer because everything is okay. I'm with Elliot right now, and he says he forgives you for scaring him off like that. Well, I suppose it's normal for siblings to fight. I just wanted to tell you that you don't have to worry about me any longer. Elliot told me he wanted to take me somewhere. He told me I wouldn't have to grieve any longer, and that I would be happy. Oh, I, I have to go. Elliot looks so impatient. You know how that boy is. Love you, and I'll see you soon. My face turned a pale white, and I felt like all my blood froze in my body. I fumbled with my phone to call her back, but as I waited frantically for her to pick up, she didn't. Every time my calls would ring for about 10 seconds before being sent to voicemail. I threw some clothes on and sprinted out my motel room, running to my car and starting it up. I floored it in reverse, pulling out of the parking lot and speeding down the road. So many thoughts were going through my head at the time, and I remember forcing myself to focus on one thing. Getting to my mother before that sick creature did anything to her. I had spent so much time questioning my own eyes all day, but in that moment, I was confident in what I needed to do. I wasn't going to run from my own mother anymore. She needed help, and I needed to be there for her. In minutes, I saw her farmhouse over the hill, and I swerved my car off the road and onto her driveway almost crashing it into a ditch along the way. I sped up her long dirt driveway and parked in front of her house. I threw my door open and ran towards her front door, banging on it but to no avail. I opened the front door and barged into her house. The lights were still on and the scent of bacon and eggs was still fresh in the air. I looked over at the dinner table to see two plates prepared, uneaten. I ran to every room and scanned it up and down and even found enough courage to investigate the basement. But after frantic searching, I had concluded that the house was completely empty. It was then that I noticed dirt tracks from my mother's boots trailing on the floor and around the house. They started at the front door, most likely where she would have put on her boots and trailed off toward the back of the house. I followed them all the way to the back door, which I had just noticed was swung wide open. I peered out into the backyard, and as my eyes adjusted to the sun shining in them, that's when I caught it in my eye. My stomach dropped to the floor. Side by side, holding hands with each other, was my mother and that hunched thing. 
My stomach dropped even further when I realized where they were going. They were walking towards the fields behind the house. The fields where Elliot died. Mom? I screamed, sprinting through the back door and across the backyard, and I swear I'd never run so fast in my life. They both stopped dead in their tracks and turned to see me. Even in the sunlight, that wretched thing was darker than a void. Upon seeing me, the creature clumsily swung its oversized arms around as if it were having a fit, like a child. It screeched the most awful sounds imaginable, like car tires squealing across asphalt or silverware being dragged across the plate with such intensity that I covered my ears and stumbled backwards. Whatever that thing was, I had clearly pissed it off by interrupting it. I had expected it to run at me, uh, attempt to attack me, anything. But it didn't. Instead, the creature simply curled into a ball, continuing its screeching and dissolving into thin air like water on a hot pan. After the dust had settled and I had wrapped my head around the whole situation, my mother ran towards me in a fit of rage. She screamed obscenities at me once again, told me that I had ruined her last chance to see Elliot, and that I was a horrible son. Although this time, well, I didn't run. I caught her in my arms as she threw herself against me, kicking and punching, but she was too frail to actually hurt me. I hugged her tight, and she eventually broke down into a sobbing mess. And I did the same. After mom had calmed down, I sat her down on the lawn underneath a tree in the shade. She wouldn't respond to anything I said to her. She just, well, she just rocked back and forth, mumbling gibberish to herself. I called emergency services and requested the police and an ambulance, and within minutes, they showed up at the property. The paramedics took my mother away and I stayed back to talk to the police. I had simply told them that my mother had a mental breakdown and that she was unfit to live on her own. I mentioned the strange behavior she exhibited. But like the story I told Brienne, I left out the bit with the hunched creature. But this time, I was confident in what I saw. I knew damn well it was real. In the following weeks, my mom was placed in a home where she was under the constant care of nurses and other caretakers. She was still unable to form coherent sentences, no longer able to think or speak for herself. It was like her entire mind had left her that day, and the last things I remember her telling me were how much she hated me. I felt awful placing her into the home. Being her only child left, I assumed the role as her legal guardian, tried my best to make sure she would have a comfortable life there. I, I didn't know what else to do. Uh, she was clearly unfit to live on her own, and I couldn't have her living with me as I had a family to look after. I would try my best to visit her from time to time, but it was like visiting a brick wall. 
She wouldn't speak to me and, well, she even refused to look at me. When I visited, she insisted on staring out the window of her room, remaining still until I left. She hated me. In her mind, I had ruined her only chance to be with her six-year-old boy once again. But what I saw wasn't her son. That was something pretending to be Elliot. And in her warped state of mind, perhaps she saw something different than I did. I didn't want to think of what the hunched creature was planning on doing to her if I didn't show up. But considering where it was leading her, I find it hard to believe it didn't have a part to play in Elliot's death. But at the same time, for some odd reason when thinking back to the tantrum the hunched creature threw after being spotted, I couldn't help but find it somewhat familiar. <laughs>